Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. So hey everybody, welcome to episode 233 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitchell and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Mark Rubin down in San Jose, California. Hello. And we also have special treat Tammy Coron from West Tennessee. Hey now. I, I guess I didn't give away too much by saying you're in West Tennessee, right? No, no, I don't have to kill you. No, okay. Well, she's equidistant between Net and Memphis and Net Nashville, so. All right. Um, yeah, so, so I just had a Black History Month just flashed into my brain. I don't know. Do you guys have Black, Black History Month in, in the United States as well? Or we do. Just in Canada, you do. Okay, you do. I was just thinking about uh, Martin Luther King, and I don't know. If, I don't know if Malcolm X was was uh, killed down there. Or, I think in Nashville or Memphis, right? One of those two, where L- Martin Luther King was killed. Anywho, all right. Uh, we don't have any Ask MTJC, so we'll just get right into our follow up. Um, and there's a, f- a statement here from um, Apple that Renny R- Ritchie sort of uh, did a TLDR on um, in a tweet uh, that basically um, you know Apple wanted to ensure assure customers that uh, that their engineering team is on top of it and they're aware of the details to reproduce the pug and they're working quickly to fix the group FaceTime. Um, I'm not sure if and they were supposed to issue an update. I don't know that we've seen an update uh, just yet or related to this bug, right? Does anybody know? I don't use FaceTime. <laughs> no. Well, you, you don't have to use FaceTime. The thing, the way the bug works is I could call you on FaceTime and then I could call Mark on FaceTime and even though you don't pick up I could still hear what's on your phone. I could still hear you talking on your phone. Yeah, I, I know the bug, but like I'm not logged into FaceTime on any of my devices. Oh, I see. Okay, so yeah. you have your iCloud account or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I guess it conflicts with your tinfoil hat too, right? Yeah. That's why I don't use a fingerprint to unlock my phone. It's all the same thing. 
<laughs> well, you know, the fingerprint doesn't leave your phone, right? Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> sure. You, you just keep believing that, Tim. Uh-huh. All right. Okay. Yeah, so that was just a quick one. Um, another post here of our friend Jaime, who couldn't be with us tonight. Uh, he's a uh, basic post about the fact that Microsoft is also getting into the... Last week, we talked about the uh, uh, Netflix of games kind of thing that Apple's putting together, and apparently Microsoft is also planning on bringing Xbox Live to iOS, Android, and the Nintendo Switch. And just a little short article here on, on that effort. Again, I don't know. I'm not a big big gamer. I don't think Mark's a big gamer. Are you a big gamer, Mark? No, not really. How about you, Tammy? What do you think about this? I used to be a big gamer, and then I got really busy and didn't get to do gaming. But I'm recently getting back into it and just got a Switch. And I think I think it's really cool, honestly. Although, uh, I don't have much to say about bringing Xbox Live to iOS, Android, or the Nintendo Switch. Yeah, this is a Jaime story, I think. Because um, I, I really don't have much to say about Xbox Live either. So I don't even, I mean, I know what it is, but I don't really know what it is, you know? You, you know, with the Xbox 360, it was big. We used the it all the thing? time. Huh? The live thing? The, and the... Yeah, yeah, because, you, you know, you'd get the Xbox and you'd usually get like a three-month gold membership free that came with right. the Xbox. See, this back when it first came out. And like, I don't even hear too many people in my house anyway talking about Xbox Live. They have it a little bit here and there, but, mo- you know, Jake's on the computer all day. Travis is now on the Switch most of the time. So I don't know. Yeah, the Switch is pretty cool. One of my grandson's fosters, you know, has a Switch constantly on him if he hasn't got his iPad with him, you know? Yeah. It's a decent system, too. I like the fact that you can plug it into your TV or you can just use it as a console, right? I think um, back in the 90s, I had a, a Sega system that was like that, where it was like a controller with a screen on it, and you didn't have to plug into your TV. You could just play, you know, Sonic the Hedgehog or whatever right on the on the actual Switch, or not the Switch, but the, the I think it was called, what was it called? Sega Nomad. That's what it was. Now, are they right. saying, and I know this is Jaime's thing, and he's not here, but are they saying with this thing that people who are on iOS, Android, and the Switch will be able to communicate with people who are on Xbox Live? Is that... Yeah, it's going to, they're going to, they have this thing called xCloud game streaming that, that uh, I guess they use sort of as a network. See, now um, that's kind of cool, because I know yeah. there's a lot of cross-platform games of if, if like, if someone could be playing a game on the Switch, and that game is also available on the Xbox, currently, as far as I know, they can't play with each other. But if, if what this might be is what I think it is, that would be really cool if you could be on different platforms and play the game. But I'm like, well, what would the logistics for that be? You know, because it might be easier to play a particular game on a console than it might be on a on a, uh, a PC or something with a keyboard and mouse. Right, right. Well, I think the important thing here is, is I guess, where I, where I think what I buried the lead was that um, they're actually releasing an SDK, right? I guess, which would allow people to, like us, developers, to create games for iOS or Android um, and possibly N- Nintendo Switch if you're into that kind of, I don't know what language they use to do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, and, and you know, it's one of these things where uh, I think the, the reality is, is that companies like Microsoft and Apple are getting into these, and that, yeah, Apple are getting into these things because gaming is a big piece of their, their business, you know, with what the users are using their devices for. Obviously, clearly, the Xbox is designed for that, but, you know, 68 million active players, you know, 2 billion devices out there already on their cross-platform XDK network, according to this uh, GDC article, right? So um, it's a big, I guess it's a big, uh, big opportunity. And and we've been talking on the show about Microsoft and, and their sort of ways of getting back um, into into the fold. You know, they just, last week, uh, they closed their, two weeks ago, I think they closed the Windows phone down and were telling people to go out and buy an iOS or an Android device. Well, I was going to say, now that they don't have Windows phones, they need some other platform to do all this stuff they're talking about. So Exactly, exactly, yeah. Might as well make it iOS and Android. Well, it's surprising, like, you know, we, t- we think of iPhone or iOS being the sort of the, the main device here in North America, but in Europe, it's not. I mean, in, in Europe, Android, 
Europe and Asia, I guess Android is, is a much bigger market, right? And in the same sense, Apple's never really been big on the desktop. It's always been Microsoft, you know, sort of really in the roost, right? So this is a, another way that Microsoft sort of, you know, claw back some of their their uh, their world domination power, right? Through gaming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if you ask true gamers what, what they want to play on, or again, at least in my experience, they're almost always going to say, give me a PC, not a Mac, because I can't really play good games on a Mac. No, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. And, yeah, it's for sure the, the big big thing, like, you know, they're building their own, even better than, I think even more than, like, aren't people paying more PC games than, like, Xbox or Xbox and PlayStation and stuff, or is that not true? Wait, what kind of people play? Most people, people who are playing games, aren't, aren't they playing Twitch and, and Steam uh, it, and all that well, kind of stuff? Well, yeah, I mean, if you can go to Steam and you look at some of the games, like, it happens to me all the time, and it's one of the reasons why I'm using Windows more frequently now. You go to you go to play a game on Steam, and it's like, no, nope, sorry, not available for the Mac. And right, of course. That seems to happen more often than not. So I think Windows has that that bigger market share than anybody else. The consoles are a different animal. They're they're totally separate. So yeah, I've always been, I was always felt like if I was going to play games, I would buy a console. I wouldn't try and put my Mac. I mean, I you know initially did when when games came to the Mac, but yeah, there was always just we always got our asses handed to us when it came to um, um, number of games available, console versus desktop, and of course Windows versus Mac. Right, so it was always. Mac was almost sort of. I, like, I think it's better now than it used to be in terms of availability on game for of games on the Mac versus Windows because it used to be really bad. Uh, but I do wonder once Apple officially does get rid of OpenGL, which they've they've already deprecated uh, in terms of Metal, uh, whether things will swing back because now game developers instead of having instead of developing for both platforms using OpenGL, they'll have to develop two separate versions: one OpenGL version for Windows and and a Metal version for the Mac. Maybe it's not yeah. that big of a deal because, you know, things like Unity and stuff will support both, but but you got to think there'll be some, uh, you know, some some uh, limit to what comes out of the Mac because of that. Yeah, well, even the laptop side, I was reading something the other day about gaming laptops, which are becoming more popular as well. I don't know, like more popular than regular laptops, I guess, right? And eventually, I think Apple might come around to that as well, right? Like, we have the horsepower in the Mac, in the, in Mac, the iMac Pro, right? I'm sure it has the, you can have the separate GP, GPU kind of box plugged into it. Right? Oh, my dream machine? Is that what we're talking about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That? Yeah, I don't think it's a horsepower issue. I think it's just a development resources issue. There's still way more Windows machines out there than there are Macs out there. So, for- oh, so the market's bigger, you mean? The market's much bigger. Yeah. So if you're yeah. a gaming company and you have to choose one, you'll probably choose Windows. Right. Yeah. Because there's more, more, more opportunity there. Right. You know, I, I like to look at my kids. I've got one who uses a Mac and prefers console gaming. And then I have another one who doesn't really like console gaming uses a Windows machine and prefers that gaming style. Right. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like the cat and dog thing. Like if you're if you're this type of person, if you like dogs or you like consoles, that's it. If you like cats and PCs, that's it. And I don't know where I fit in because like, you know, I, I'm I'm sort of in this transition now where I'm on I'm on Mac, I'm on Windows. Do I want to look at mobile gaming, which is a whole nother thing to think about. So Going back to this article here, you know, if if they're finding ways to to bring everybody into the same space, that's good for people like me who are on the fringe of I don't know where I fit in. Yeah, well, you weren't on the show last week, and we talked about um, Apple's doing the same thing. Apple's bringing um, they're trying to they're the thing we talked about last week, and maybe I want to get your opinion on it. Is they they're announcing that they're trying to put together a gaming network. In other words, where you would pay X dollars per month. A- Apple is. Yeah, and then have all the, all the 
games. I wish they would go back. I, I said, I, I wish they would not do that, you know, with their Apple music and their Apple this. I wish they would go back to the basics and just focus on a handful of things and do them well instead of doing what they're doing now, which is putting their fingers in everything and screwing it all up. And <laughs> that's not to say that like, oh my God, I'm predicting Apple's going to go out of business and they're terrible. That's not they're doomed. doomed. Yeah. Please don't hear something that I'm not saying. What I, what I mean is I miss the days of Apple where, you know, you'd go into the store and you'd buy, you'd, you'd have a choice of one or two things and you'd walk out and you, you wouldn't feel confused. You'd be happy. And you knew that you can have that thing for a long period of time and you wouldn't have to worry about updates or getting new hardware. And now, now they're just doing way too much of everything. And here you're telling me that they're going to be doing this gaming thing. And I'm like, no, no, don't do it. But, but if they, but if they don't, then we're going to Microsoft comes in. Well, no, forget about Microsoft. Apple's just not going to, not going to be the company that it, that it is today. I mean, we already see that, that, uh, as we saw in the last earnings announcement, last uh, recent history, the, you know, the, the, uh, peak iPhone is probably passed and yeah. Apple can't just rely on making the hardware anymore. They have to get more and more into services, which they have been doing and they've been pretty successful at it, which is why the stock has actually been going up ever since their earnings announcement, uh, because the, the, uh, margins are much higher on services than, than anyone expected. So, so in other words, Apple's doing much better at services than anyone expected. So, so that's really good news from a business point of view. All their eggs aren't in the one iPhone basket anymore or the Mac basket. So, so I expect more of this. I expect more and more different types of services. I expect not only the gaming thing, but, but I expect that the, you know, something they've been talking about for a long time and getting into more video content and, and, and custom, you know, Apple made video content, uh, rumors of purchasing Netflix or whatever. You know, I think right. there's going to be more doing and more TV more shows now. Yeah. 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 yeah so, t- so Tammy, let's l- take a look at this. Okay. For a second. Like, I hate to throw some math at you, but like, you know, 60% of what Apple was doing was, was selling iPhones. Well, we're starting to see that some of that market is, it's kind of matured. There doesn't seem to be any, any more, uh, expansion there. Like they can't get any more percentage than that. So, you know, with the, with the services stuff, with the music and the cloud and all that kind of stuff, it, it makes the integration better. And they're, and they're making 10 or 15, maybe 20% of their income from those services, right? So that's a, a good way as a business to diversify their model. But what I'm talking about the, with the gaming thing, think about this for a minute. So the gaming, games are the top seller on iOS applications, right? So like they're, that's where um, Apple in iOS world makes most of their income. And that's where most of the income being made by developers is too, right? So by Apple coming together and becoming like a Netflix of gaming, if you will, like they're going to get all the game developers together. Maybe they're going to come up with some criteria that you have to match to, to basically make the cut to get into it because Apple's famous for doing that too, right? They make they, they set a bar and you have to perform above that bar to be part of the, the cool people who get to be in this system. And then rather than try and flog your game to, you know, whoever discovers your game, now you're in a game environment that Apple is sort of saying to everybody, you give us $15 a month, we'll give you access to all the games and no more, none of this Smurfberry purchase stuff that, you know, is the lost leader, none of this marketing to little four-year-old kids and that kind of stuff, right? Um, so what would you think of a world where the gamer, game developers are now in this kind of supported network? I mean, in, in one sense, it's going to be bad for the, for independent 
independence, but it, it may be good for some people, right? Again, I, I was a gamer like back in the day and I dipped out for a little while and I'm starting to get back into it a lot more. And what I hear you saying is that essentially Apple wants to be Steam, right? Because yeah, they want to they be Microsoft. They want to be PlayStation Network. Yeah. I mean, my biggest problem with, with games these days, last two games I bought for, for my PlayStation, I have to have a PlayStation Network account to really get the full value out of the game. You know, to the point where like for me personally, I just, I'm just not playing. I'm taking the Mark, Mark's approach. I'm just not even playing the game. You know, I gave the game to my, to my grandson and said, knock yourself out. Yeah, but I think Steam is already kind of doing what Apple wants to do. So it's like another, it's just another thing out there. It's like, oh, well, what do you want? Skype, Slack, Discord. There's just so many things, so many options, so many ways that you can do stuff that it goes back to what I said before about like, can we just be good at one thing or a handful of <laughs> no, things and let other people no, be good at one thing? We'll go out of business. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. So, I, I'm, I'm such a simpleton. I, I'm a purist. I guess and my mother keeps calling me a purist or, or you know, someone. Yeah. I just want to go back to the basic, simple things. Yes, yes, yeah, simple want, yeah. things. You're a luddite. You're a techno- technology luddite. Um, so, so let me ask another another perspective here. So, when I was talking to Apple, um, they were they told me they they look at themselves as a trusted advisor, right? So, if if you take from the point of view that they're the trusted advisor, and now they're going to be the trusted advisor in the gaming space, right? You're not going to get ripped off on Steam. You're not going to get you know sold. Smurf berries that you don't need. You know they're not going to market to your four-year-old. Um, so if Apple comes at it from the point of view of they're now the trusted advisor for gaming, is that not a good position for them to take? It's a good position for them to take from a business point of view. But I'm but telling also from you, a privacy and a, no, and a because at and, the, if if Apple has said that five years ago, seven years ago, whatever, I would have been like, cool, I'm all on board. I trust Apple. I see their vision. I I'm in I'm one with their vision. I'm all in. But lately, the only thing that I'm feeling from Apple is, damn, girl, you better run because they're just... They're, they're, <laughs> Zombies are coming, yeah. Yeah, and again, I'm not saying that I'm, I'm jumping shit from Apple. I'm saying that Apple and I need a little break from each other. We need, some, we need, we need to see other people, right? We need some mediation, yeah. But if they had just focused on being a good spouse, a good boyfriend for me, a good husband, then I... I'd be there, but now it's like we need to see other people, Apple, because you were just—I don't—I don't trust you anymore. I, I can't. I'm not there with you. I, I hope to come back. I hope it's just a little break. But right now, you all got to get your stuff together. Yeah, I don't know. For me, like I look at it from the point of view of there's all these mega corporations who are going to take over this, you know, con- consolidate all this stuff and provide me with services. And and I think, I, and it's not just the Apple fanboy in me speaking, but if I have to find a platform and a, and a provider that I trust, it's going to be Apple, you know, at this point in time. I, I you know, I, I can't trust Facebook. I can't trust Google. You know, I can't trust, you know, um, Steam. I, you know, I don't even know who the people are on Steam, you know, kind of thing, right? So I'm, I'm going to put my, my eggs in a, in a basket that I trust, right? How about you, Mark? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah I, you know, yes. I, I don't I don't think you have to limit yourself to, to one company, uh, but uh, I, I certainly agree that I, I would be far less likely to trust a company like Facebook or, or even Google than, than a company like Apple, but I but I also get the point about about the quality has kind of slipped a little bit in, in the past couple of years and on certain things. Sure. Uh, but you know, it's certainly still the, the platform of choice for pretty much anything I do these days. Yeah, and I I don't think you can put Facebook and Google. 
Google and with Apple. I mean, if we're gonna if we're gonna weigh that as far as a trust thing, then I am I am definitely on board with Apple there. Mm-hmm. Right? They they are more secure with your data. They do care a little bit more than just getting you for ads and things like that. So yes, I'm in full agreement with that. Yeah. No, there's no doubt. I just you know I was concerned about your separation agreement you were drafting up there. You know. <laughs> Do you have no, a pretty we get, place, we, Tammy? I do. They, they get all the bugs. I get the dog. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, all right. Let's move on. So, so just a quick news item here on Angela Arantz has uh, apparently announced that she's leaving uh, Apple, and they've they've already po- uh, posted on their news site a replacement for her. So, I um, mean, she led. She came from Burberry, and and she had modeled her success as CEO of Burberry on on Apple, and uh, so she was a natural fit for them. You know, in terms of taking the retail environment uh, beyond where it is or it was. And, and, and I think it's done quite well. She's been there five years, I think, right? Just about the time we started this podcast, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So anyway, just a news thing. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on, on her or her departure or what have you. Hard to say what this means. I mean, you know, who knows what the situation is. She may have left on her own. She might have actually been pushed out. Who, who knows? Who knows? Uh, we'll just have to see. We'll have to see what happens. Certainly, yeah, certainly the re- retail stores have grown a lot uh, since she's been there. But, you know, there's also the there's there's also been grumbling about about trying to you know, position Apple a little the brand a little too high right at, at, at premium pricing and, and all that oh right yeah so it, it's hard to say yeah that's a good point um yeah I mean the other thing too is it could also be fallout from from the low, the weak retail sales I mean you know in terms of the phones right that's the again like I said before it's a big part of Apple's uh, Apple's market right right and one of the places one of the places you get to sell a phone is when you're face to face with somebody right you know and maybe there's some follow-up from that. Who knows? Or pressure. Yeah, who knows? Mm-hmm. Hard to say. Well, they were saying here that there was somebody before her who lasted, you know, a few months in the position back in 2012, right? They didn't have a retail head for a while. Hmm, interesting. Well, like I said, we'll have to keep an eye on that one. Yep. Um, right. So in uh, sort of our main section of the show here, I, I saw an article the other day. I was kind of interested um, about Apple kind of um, uh, setting up a, a developer program where they would waive the fees, you know, the $99 a, month, a year that we all pay USD um, to try and, I guess, and to entice some some people to join the programs, right? Well, um, it looked like from the article, it looked like it's it's specifically for uh, nonprofits or government type agencies who are only going to give away free apps. Then you can then you can get this waiver. So so and that makes sense. You know, if you're a nonprofit and you're just trying to put something out there that's you know for for the common good and and you're not charging money for it, then yeah, why not? Why not waive the fee? It makes sense. Sure. Yeah. I mean, and it's 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 a modest fee at the end of the day. Like you know, to an individual, it may sound steep, but you know, I think when Apple first rolled out the the store in, tw- in two thousand eight, they kind of sort of said, and this is the low entry point. I think it was just a sort of you, you got to charge something to, to scare away the, you know, the, the people who are going to just come in and do nothing, right? So we call right. that riffraff. Yeah, I was trying to find a polite term for it. <laughs> Scare away the riffraff. So you, you want to basically make a, a, a at least an entry bar, right? And, and you know, they could have charged, like back in, I don't know if you remember back in the in the gaming days, like in Sega's and, um, you know, Microsoft and stuff like that, when you were writing games for the consoles, you I think the entry point was like 10 grand or something, you know? Mm. So it was a lot steeper. $99 is, you know, with an app that makes pizza money, you can, you can you know, easily break even on 
on that $99, right? So, but yeah, right. If you're, if you're in a business where you're not planning to make money anyway, right? It's just another way of, of lowering the bar for them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they do have to meet certain business criteria, have a DUNS number and be, you know, a legal stat, have a legal entity status and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it's not just, you know, Joe off the street kind of thing. This is an interesting one. In, uh, we talked a lot about some of the things that are happening in, in, uh, 12.2, uh, last week. Apparently there, there, there's a way for websites and that kind of stuff to capture motion information from your phone, like the gyroscope and accelerometer data. And actually in the article, there's a, there's a, um, a demo uh, app that, uh, or demo X called the iPhone experience site, where you go to, it's an Apple hosted site. And as you move your phone, the image on the, on the screen will, like it's an image of an, of an iPhone, it'll rotate um, because it's picking up, this is a website that's picking up motion data from your, your phone. And, um, and, and apparently it's been around, around for a while and it's, it's kind of been used by sites to sort of know if you're still there or what you're doing, that kind of stuff. So uh, it has a privacy um, issue, obviously, and Apple has decided that they're going to enable the ability to turn this data off. So you can go in yourself on your phone and turn it off. But yeah, I, you know, I, I see this as, yeah, it's it's a continuation of, of something that's been going on for a while. You know, we, we now have stricter location permissions, stricter microphone permissions, photo permissions, all this, all this stuff, you know, gradually, pretty much everything the phone can do, uh, you have to opt into these days. So it's it's another another step in the direction. It, it wasn't clear from the article whether we're going to have to do the thing with, you know, putting putting something in a P list and having, a, you know, request permissions uh, to use this feature going forward. I don't, I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see. I believe it's toggled off by default. It says here in the security, like under Safari privacy, privacy and security, it's toggled off by default in this new setting. So there'll presumably be some, some uh, in, in core motion, some request permission API like we have with location well, I mean, services and everything else. Yeah, I suppose, well, I suppose it's, it's similar to that. It's similar to how uh, a website you can has to ask for your location data right now, right? Like normally, you know, uh, in order to like help you, like if you're going to a, a retail website and they want to know which store, if you're using a store locator, they want to give you a store that's close to you or tell you what inventory is close to you. So they'll ask you for your location data. Right. But that's a web website doing that. And this is the same sort of thing because well, I, I don't I've, think a website yeah, it's, can it's, prompt. It's exactly the same kind of thing as, as an iOS right now where to use location services, you have to request access and it pop up. This a, is in Safari though? Or Google or whatever your browser is on the phone. Like what I'm saying is, I don't think a website can prompt, can create a prompt that you will have to respond to let your gyroscope and accelerometer be on or off. They might be able to tell you, hey, you're not. If they're not getting data from you, they could say, hey, you know, we, we notice you're on an iPhone. And I see. Yeah. Okay. You're talking about specifically in in the in the in the Safari the browser case. I, I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking this was going to be kind of an across the board thing that was going to apply to all apps. Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, this, this article. Yeah. Yeah. This article is just talking about the web uh, piece, yeah. and it's and I think. Yeah. Part of the AR VR kind of experiences is why they're doing this kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. And apparently, Felix Krauss had filed a radar um, back in 2017. And this is how I actually stumbled across the article because I was reading his tweet that uh, that he po- he posted a radar to Apple to let them know that you know this data is out there and that people are using it. I believe that's what he was saying. So it, so his radar back filed back in 2017 has now become a, a, a feature, standard feature. Mm-hmm. That's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you go to a website, that, I mean, everything's moving to VR and AR and all that kind of stuff, especially with products uh, on, the, on the devices, right? On websites. Tammy, you got something to say about that? It falls into the category of tinfoil hat me, man. All right. <laughs> I, I turn off my location data as often as I can. I would imagine that I would be the same way with this too. Like I'm thinking, why would they need that information? Did you want to go stop the show and go and check and see if your, your settings are turned on right now? I bet you they're off. 
<laughs> I bet you they're on. I'm going to check mine. This is under Safari. Oh, I'm scrolling down to Safari. If I can find Safari. Is it way down at the bottom? Wow, I can't believe that. Yeah, you would think they would have that up towards the top. No, mm, no I don't see Safari. Oh, I guess I can use the search thing at the top of the screen. Hang on. Safari. That's cool. I don't know if you guys have tried that in the uh, in the settings to use the search thing at the top. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's see. Hmm. What did it say in the article? Motion orientated rotation angle. I don't say oh, maybe it's under advanced. No, nope, I don't see anything here. Well, do you have twelve point two installed yet? No. Is that so? Is this? But this data is already available on websites. Like you can already go to them. And what do you think they're adding? Is that what they're saying? They're they're adding this ability to turn on and off. Yeah, that's what the article is saying. Wait, show tab bar Safari settings. Yeah, that's where I am. Hmm. Yeah, because I went to the websites in the article, and you're welcome to do that for people driving at home. We'll have a link in the show notes, but uh, you can go to that uh, Apple Experience site. There's a link in the article, and and you can actually try it on your phone. And as you like, I said, as you move your shake your phone around, it the image on the screen moves. Moving on. Oh yeah, this 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 is my least favorite feature in iOS. Which one is that? I took my glass off. <laughs> The blurry one on the screen. Um, the oh. Animojis. <laughs> animojis. They've, they've expanded the Animoji roster with giraffes and warthogs and owls and sharks. Why don't you like that? Well, I mean, that part, uh, you know, having a goofy little robot or whatever speak your, your message, I guess that's cool. But I'm I'm opposed to the people going in and making their own emoji based on a, a menu of items. Like, you oh, know, certain I don't know. My friend just sent me one of her for my birthday and I just nearly peed myself. Wait, no, no. So Wait, funny. what? Was it like an alien or something like that? Or did she make a, like a character of herself? She's, she's got multiple ones. Yeah, yeah. No, what I'm talking about is the one where you go in and make, make, a, make a Tammy. Like you got to find the hat and you got to find the yeah. hair. And you gotta, yeah? Come on, that's fun. No, come on. But then, but then like there's there's like 10,000 possible combinations or whatever many. You know, like there's like how many billion people in the world that's right so now? That's different than Bitmoji. Well, same thing. Yeah. yeah. Apple's thing, right? There they go, reaching into the other spectrum. <laughs> Well, they did that with the iPod. It seemed to work out pretty well. They went after all the MP3 players, right? Yeah. yeah. And the Shuffle and the iPod, you know, Nano and. So you're you're even against the the creatures that are not made by users? No, I think the creatures are fun. I mean, like my my granddaughter's into owls, so she'll be del- delighted with this thing. But... So what's the difference if everyone's an owl versus everyone made their? Well, it's an oh. it's an owl, you know. It's admittedly, but it's not, I mean, you're not going to make that your avatar on the world, are you? Maybe. Right? <laughs> I could. Well, you and 10,000 other owls, I guess. Right, but that's what I'm saying. Like, what's the difference if Mark and I make the same uh, an emoji of... That's what I'm saying. I'd rather I'd rather have Mark embrace his individuality and you embrace yours. But we can't do that. The closest we can do is if we've got that little picker thing. Other than that, we're just using standard off-the-shelf. You're not allowed to alter them at all. So no, it's no, almost... I'm not talking about... I'm not, I'm, not talking about, I'm, not talking about <laughs> I'm not talking about the giraffe and the owl and, and the warthog and the puppy and the kitten and the bunny and the micro and the monkey. But those, what I'm saying is those are even worse for your individuality. Of course they are, yeah. So. But you peed your pants. <laughs> it was so hysterically funny. Yeah. What do you think, Mark? You've been silent here. Yeah, you don't have to worry about me using the same emoji as, as you because I don't use them. <laughs> and yeah. he's better looking than I am too, so his would be way cooler. <laughs> but you know what? It's funny. It's, it's I, you know, I don't know if it's it's a targeting the Asian market because there seems to be a lot of this kind of, you know, cutesy, you know, Hello Kitty, and Hello Kitty kind of stuff over there, right? Don't you pick on Hello Kitty now? <laughs> well, why isn't there no Hello Kitty in there, then, Tammy? Can't mess with perfection. Oh, okay, right. All right, moving on. So uh, the next post here is it's an interesting one. Um, a friend of mine, David Okun, who's uh, works for IBM as a, a, a iOS 
podcast, Developer Evangelist, I think his title is. Um, he po- he basically, uh, I'm, I can't remember why he decided to do this, but he decided to try a month of Swift development without using Xcode. Okay. And he's posted a video here on, on uh, the reasons why he did it. Um, he just, you know, he's curious about it. And uh, so he looked at the different uh, different environments you could work with. And, of course, he gives a plug to, to our friend uh, Derek Slander's book on um, Apple Advanced Apple Debugging and Reverse Engineering, which covers off different things about using the command line for that. But um, he looked at the alternatives that are available out there. There's JetBrains App Code. There's Swift Studio. There's Kutura Studio. There's Visual Studio Code, which I know Tammy uses. And uh, there's also using the command line using, you know, uh, he uses VI Editor, which I think is for children. But um, And uh, using Xcode Build to build his apps, right? When he goes through the whole explanation of how he basically used uh, his development process to for a month to try and, and not use use Xcode. He said at first it was a little, you know, a little a little overwhelming because you know he's like, what have I done and what have I gotten myself into? Um, but in in the video he does a couple of uh, um, server side server side Swift obviously is the, the, the easiest way to get into this kind of development because uh, you know it's everything's on the command line pretty much. Um, I think uh, he said Visual Visual Code Studio and and the command line were the sort of two places he he worked with um, you know working with LLDB debugger and and the Xcode build thing as I said before and he even talks he even goes through how to debug by setting breakpoints and that kind of stuff you know in in the command line and that kind of stuff and he said as anybody did say as soon as the month is over he immediately opened Xcode so not to say that Xcode is a is a bad environment to work in but it's just sort of that you know and I think we all know that under the hood Xcode uses a lot of command line tools and Mark and I've talked about this in the past but command command line tools to basically do what Xcode does but Xcode kind of p- puts it all together and puts a nice bow on it, right? Yeah, I mean, you certainly can do anything you you can do in Xcode. You you can do outside of Xcode, except me, except for Interface Builder, I think. Right. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it doesn't mean you would necessarily want to. I mean, for all the warts that Xcode has in it, and it has plenty, uh, it's still pretty good as an IDE. Uh, and when you consider it's free and is updated pretty regularly from Apple, you know, there's there's a lot going for it. Um, yeah, we we happen to be in one of those times right now where it's crashing way more than it should. I don't know if you've noticed this, but uh, but it's, you know, that will get fixed and it's still still better than most of the IDs I've played with out there. Yeah, I think for that point of view, like he did say, you know, like the, his takeaways from the thing were that, was that Xcode is actually pretty great, as I said. Yeah. Um, but he said that there is 30, third-party tooling you can use. I mean, I was thinking too, like, you know, I mean, how many times have you gone to, you want to work on something and you go to open Xcode and it needs to, you know, you forgot, you've just updated it, but you didn't install the tool, so now you got to wait, you know, 20 minutes or so while it, while it goes in and and you know um, installs the command line tools or something like that. Oh, right? well, but trust me, some of the other ones are way worse. But it, but even like you know, like one say like if you're if you're if you're hobbled by Xcode doing something like it's either crashing or whatever, mm-hmm. you can just jump over to the command line and if you know what you're if you've gone through this sort of process that he's talking about, you can go through and actually run things yourself without having to. Oh sure. Go go there right. Yeah. So and you know of course and all the open source tools out there it means that you know we have we have power to to do the things we need to do right so. Now, I know I spent a good majority of this episode bashing Apple and the things that they do. And I know Xcode isn't always the most stable app out there, but in terms of IDEs, it's it's a solid IDE. Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah, I, I recommend it. I When I am playing in Xcode, I generally enjoy the experience. I mean, yeah, there's a couple of things that make me want to bash my head against the wall, but no, I, I, I can't imagine using another tool to develop in Swift that, that just, it, it blows my mind. Yeah. Yeah. You haven't tried uh, um, Visual Code Studio with Swift with the code no, and stuff? No, because like, I mean, if I'm going to do something in Swift, it's generally
primarily based on an iOS experience. And why would I jump someplace else? I'm not doing any server-side Swift or anything like that. So maybe if I was, yeah, Visual Studio Code would be more fun for that. But in terms of just pure iOS and Mac development, I can't I can't imagine going outside. It, it was nice for an experiment. It was nice to try it for him to do that. I think that was really cool. But you said that at, by the end, he went back anyway. And it, it's kind of, it makes you, uh, what is it? Absence makes the heart go yonder. Fonder. <laughs> <laughs> but you get what I'm saying. It's like if, if there's a tool out there that does really good and it's specifically designed to do really good for that thing, why try something else? Except for an experiment, but I mean, yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, yeah, I mean, Xcode is is a pretty good tool, even if you're not working in iOS. Like, even if you're just editing, you know, JSON or whatever. Um, no, but, you know, like for me, no, for don't me, do that. <laughs> but for me, for me, the the you know, if I want to, if I if I have, if I'm annoyed with Xcode, I just go work in Android Studio for a while, or I go work on you know Visual Code Studio, or I go work in another IDE for you know PHP or whatever, and and I come screaming back to to Xcode, you know, help me, yeah, you know. Xcode used to have bindings for other languages. Like you could do Python development in Xcode before. I think you still can. I think you still can. Well, I mean, you, sure? you can use the, the editor for whatever you want. But yeah, yeah, sure. But it but it used to be more than that. You could you could it would have uh, code sensing and and all that kind of stuff for an autocomplete for Python way back. When. Right. Oh yeah. 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 It's been a long time, I guess. Yeah. Is Android Studio the new Eclipse, or is Eclipse still out there? Because I'm not doing much of that type of development. Most of the anymore. people who are working in in, in, in on Android are using Android Studio. It's from JetBrains, yeah. right? So it's yeah. much better than Eclipse. Yeah, it's Eclipse not, it's is, not the know, officially recommended on. IDE for Android. Eclipse is no longer is, yeah. which is good because Eclipse is not great. Painful. That tells you how long it's been since I've developed for Android. Yeah, it's only been like, I think Android Studio has only kind of really taken over in the last two, three years, maybe. You know, it's been around longer, but yeah. But it's like Mark said, it's, it's the recommended, even Google recommends it kind of thing. And Tim, why are you editing JSON and Markdown and Xcode. What is, are you the devil? What is wrong with you? <laughs> I'm not the jack of one trade, right? Oh, goodness gracious. Yep. We need to have a chat. Oh, who does your back end work, Tammy? <laughs> I'm sorry. I went somewhere else with that. Oh, seriously. All right. Moving on. <laughs> so we're at our... I kept them to myself when I was thinking about about you you coming back to Apple. It's like the 3 a.m. Yeah, yeah, bars are closed and you're home and you're and had a couple of drinks and you're seeing what your ex is up to <laughs> calling them up <laughs> yeah, i well, see you, you know, got a new x code there <laughs> right. yeah what but, version is she <laughs> but you, you've heard the expression a two at ten and a ten at two yes no <laughs> tammy no <laughs> no a ten and two that isn't that like driving where you put your hands ten and no, two no no yeah that's ten and two that's yeah. true but no but but actually it's, i think it's three and nine now actually but anyway the um the no if somebody's at a 10 or sorry if somebody's at 2 at 10 p.m then oh. they're at 10 at 2 p.m after you've okay. had several whiskeys and some beers and stuff yeah this ain't going on the show trust me gotcha. AM, yeah well it could yeah. be p.m too depending if, you, if you've been drinking the whole time choice. exactly yeah. 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 yeah yeah as as the as the evening gets down the choices you know slim out right mm-hmm. yeah all right um so let's go around the table and look at our picks if we have any picks so uh tammy have you got a pick i actually do have a pick and it was a last minute pick and I only discovered it today and I'm so over the moon about it. I've been telling everybody that I talked to about this game that I found. It's called Go Boom. Obviously, it's on the App Store. 
and it came up either in like top games we're playing or something. Then I just downloaded it and I was like, oh, this is going to be like another one of those whole games where you destroy everything by sucking up the city and and that's going to be riddled with ads or it's just going to be horrible. But I always like to get on there. I get on there every day. I, I You should see my home screen. It looks terrible. I have like a thousand games on there because I play everything now. And She's not a gamer, remember? <laughs> and I put this game on and I was driving back. I wasn't driving. I was in the passenger seat and we're driving back and I'm playing this game. And it, although the first initial loading screen locked up on me, probably because I was in a terrible Wi-Fi area and it had to go down download assets. I still, for some reason, decided I'm going to give it another shot. I'm going to quit it, go back in and play this game. And it came right back up. Of course, we were in a better Wi-Fi area. And I've just been playing it ever since. You're this little dude that runs around and you got to destroy the city. You like, you just run into things and, and it breaks and there's like particles everywhere and things are happening and there's noises and sounds. And well, I guess that's the same thing. And I'm a little redundant, but there's all these things happening. And like, then, you know, you can you get bigger at some point and then you can totally smash things and all these buildings you just punch them a little harder and they smash and the deal is the only way that you can get through and survive smashing this city is if you don't touch anything that's red because as soon as you and I didn't know this when I first started playing but then I had to go back and do the tutorial so anyone who hasn't played this game now you don't have to do the tutorial because I told you spoilers. Right? Holy cow. No, no but you have to figure it out because that's how you play the game but you can't touch anything red because it's all like blowy up TNT stuff stuff. And if you blow up, then you have to start over. And what I really, really, really appreciated about it, I, if, if a game is really good, I'm going to support the developer, whether that is through a donation or purchasing something, I'm going to do it. But a lot of times I'll download these free games and they're just so riddled with ads that I get so aggravated. I'm like, I'm not supporting you. This is, this is driving me crazy. This game, it's a free game and it has ads, but they are not obnoxious. They're, they're just there. They're sort of just on the, on the fringe. You know, they're not, they're not in your face. They're so bottom line, go get, go boom, play the game and support the developers, get the no ads version, even though the ads are not annoying, you should still get the no ads version. That's my pick this week. Yeah. It's only two ninety nine. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. You like this kind of stuff. I like destruction. It's fun. I like the, I like the reviews. I actually really enjoy it. Five stars. Yeah. True story. <laughs> Another one is pay the two ninety nine. Do it. Four stars. <laughs> That's not helping. Anyway, okay. Well, yeah. I was gonna I was gonna steal Jaime's pick because uh, we were talking about this, and uh, I'm just gonna do that real quick. So he's posted a thing here on, from Netflix Java JavaScript Talks. Uh, they they had a whole breakdown on how they did the the whole Bandersnatch thing with uh, what did they call it? They they talked about um, um, but they had a they broke down how they they actually, this is actually the third time they've done this. They did one with Puss in Boots. They did another one with I believe with um, Minecraft, where it was a game where you you made decisions. And they came up with this way of having a seamless experience as you go from one uh, scene to front one cutscene to another. So when you make a decision point, they found a way to to do the back end work so that you, there was no transition between one or the other. At one point, they even show a map of all the sort of uh, routes that you could take within the app. And there's got to be it's like a globe. There's like hundreds of, of different routes you can take. Apparently, there are five different distinct endings that they talked about. Um, and you know, depending on how you played the game, you could get to a decision point. And if you didn't make a decision, it would just carry on with a default decision that they made. Um, but you could go through and, and go back and play the game. So 
so so or play the app. And I'm, I'm sure, so not the app. Watch the movie. It's pretty much like an app. But they talk. They break down how they went through the whole the whole process of developing this this app and how they worked on the the lack of buffering and all kinds of other stuff. So it's really cool, interesting interesting uh, video. It's about um, it was from a talk that like a, a t- uh, meetup talk that they did. But it takes about it's about 58 minutes long. So it's an interesting thing. If you're if you're curious as to how they managed to, to basically make this whole thing um, this uh, this uh, non linear uh, movie style thing. Mm-hmm. All right, I think we I think we lost Tammy and she came back. She's back. back. Oh, I see. There's more stuff here. So, um, all right, uh, do you want to do your part? Your pick, Mark? Sure, sure. So mine is uh, a kind of a useful gadget uh, that you can use for connectivity with your device. So, so usually with your phone or your iPad, uh, Wi-Fi or or Bluetooth is a is a really good way, or cellular is, is a really good way to network and talk to the outside world. But but sometimes it's it's really nice to have a wired connection uh, if you're if you're in a place where there's bad connectivity or you know if you're making an iPad point of sale app or something like that and you want to have this thing plugged in it, it would be really nice to connect to a wired Ethernet network and it, it turns out that actually the I, iPhone devices or iOS devices have supported this for a while but it was very hidden uh, and you'd have to get a whole bunch of uh, dongles and like the you know like the, the camera lightning the camera connector and then plug that into a camera to USB and then a USB to Ethernet and and but but you could eventually get it to work. But about a year or so ago, Apple kind of opened that up a little bit. Uh, and and uh, there's now actually if you if you plug in a Ethernet enabled box and I'll come back to that in a second uh, in the settings app, then it actually even pops up a nice setting a nice Ethernet entry just like you have a Wi-Fi entry and you can actually look at the info about your Ethernet connection. So right around the same time, uh, there's there's been a, a whole bunch of uh, different uh, essentially I mean they're they're kind of dongles but they're they're boxes that you plug into your lightning connection and plug in an Ethernet cable on the other end and you're on the network and it's really seamless and nice so there's a there's a bunch of them out there in fact there's one I think it's a Belkin one that that Apple sells out on the on the the retail store but the one I'm talking about is made by a company called Red Park they're a small company up here in uh, Walnut Creek California it's about an hour away from from where I am uh, maybe a little longer uh, and uh, they make all sorts of accessories for the iPhone but they but one of the main ones is this ethernet to to uh, lightning dongle and and the reason that I'm making them my pick is it's especially interesting for developers because now all of these are are using the the MFI program the made for iX you know iPhone iPod uh, program which is Apple's program for building hardware accessories and one of the things about the MFI program is that uh, if your app is part of that program, you can use uh, the external accessory framework in iOS to send data back and forth to your accessory using a custom protocol that you make. What the Red Park guys have done uh, is they've written a library uh, and it's all this is all available for a free download where if you have one of these boxes in your developer, you can use their library uh, which, which is a wrapper around the the external accessory framework uh, protocol that gives you something that looks like a regular network interface. So you can open sockets or do HTTP requests or all the the normal stuff that you do with networking. And you can do that inside your app and it will just send it down the the Ethernet connection right onto the the network uh, in in kind of a cool way. And that's something you can't really do through just Wi-Fi. You can't really open a socket really easily with with Wi-Fi. Socket, if if you're not familiar, is is kind of a 
low level networking kind of thing where you just open up a, a, a network connection to an explicit place on the somewhere on the internet and, and can send data back and forth without having to go through the whole URL session and HTTP thing. You can just set right, everything right. you want down there. So, so I, I've been playing one of these boxes, uh, and, and it's, it's, you know, it's, a, it's a pretty cool thing. It's very plug and play, uh, it's simple, costs about a hundred bucks, um, which, you know, it's steep for dongle, but you get a lot more functionality out of it and you can use it to, you can use it in the plug and play mode just to, to get a wired connection to your iPhone, or you can use this, this library, uh, that they, they give you to do some more sophisticated stuff from your app to do networking through the wire. So it's kind of cool. Redpark.com worth checking out if you have any kind of interest in hardware accessories. Cool. Yeah. So it could be useful in enterprise networks too. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um, all right. So I don't know if you guys remember, we used to have a host on the show named Aaron Vay. Um, and one of his pet peeves was the fact that you really can't do a lot of development on the iPad and, and, you know, he's a big iPad lover and that kind of stuff. And, um, so, you know, there was dry gen and a few other things like that you could do, um, Xcode development, Xcode type development on, but you had to have a Mac to do the building and all that kind of stuff. And, and depending on what kind of development you're doing, there's different ways of doing this. So he spent the better part of the last couple of years working on, um, his, what he calls his super secret, um, project. And it turned out that what he's done is he's developed a platform for, uh, iOS for the iPad specifically that ties in with iCloud, but lets you connect to a Linux box, Linux box, Linux box, however you pronounce it, Java, Java. Um, and, uh, he's basically allows, allows you to do some development. So it's, it's for like things like, um, and he's got a different, um, types of, uh, server, server type, um, development you could do. Like he's a Ruby developer for, by, before he was an iOS developer, but he does Ruby, does, you know, various, um, you can do Swift. So he's got a whole selection where you can, and there's some videos on the site that I've got listed here. But um, and it's uh, uh, the name of the, the name of it is CodeWorks, and that's code uh, code w CodeWorks spelled with an e. So CodeWorks.com, and uh, yeah, you can right now you can sign up for to be notified about if you want to try it out, if, you know, before it goes to release or whatever. But um, yeah, so it looks interesting. Uh, it's for developing things like uh, server side uh, languages, like uh, you know, basic like it has a proper uh, code editor in it, and a little um, little terminal type emulation thing that runs Xterm using Xterm to direct, connect directly to the box. So it's pretty pretty quick from what I can see in the videos and from what he's telling us. So that's a kind of cool thing. That's what Aaron's been up to for the last couple of years as well as other development work he's been working on. Cool. Good to see what he's been up to. Cool. Yeah. Um, the other thing that uh, this is a, a this question came up at work a couple of weeks ago and one of the guys, this, one of the new developers was telling me about this and I wasn't aware of it. And I was trying to find it on Apple's documentation but um, one of the questions is, is like how quickly does your app launch? And, um, you know, it's, it came up in a conversation and somebody in one of the he had said that you can print out the what's a dyld do you know what that is or um, mark is that dynamic library um anyway you can print out statistics um as your app launches if you go into um if you go edit your scheme and you go into you go into your uh edit your scheme in your app and go to the runtime the run uh, box there and under environment variables type in this uh, D, dyld underscore print underscore statistics and you set the boolean value to yes and then you run it and uh, it'll tell you how many seconds it's taking for your app to go from you know at launch to to the point where it's ready to run um, and it gives you different different um, uh, settings like the whole pre-main thing is you know in my case was you know 1.3 seconds for this app and then a dlib loading time rebase and binding time object object c setup time initializers and then slowest initializers and, and gives you sort of gives you a number at the top of the, at the top of the console when you're running in X, 
code, um, and it'll tell you what your um, what your your app is starting up like. So if, if anybody asks you what your how long it's taking you to launch your app, um, you know you can you can uh, give a get a pretty good idea from that, depending on what you're loading into your into your app. So it's a quick little little tip there. And another one, while I was looking at one of the videos that uh, Hami posted, there was a video at the bottom um, talking about this little phone. I mean, one of the things that uh, that you're using an iPhone or an Android phone, you know, they've added in all these different statistics where you can see how much time you're spending on stuff. And now you can go in and adjust settings to limit yourself to certain apps for a certain amount of time during the day or whatever. Um, and the the, uh, the video author of this, uh, this piece was saying, you know, what he tends to do when he gets a warning saying he's spent too much time in one particular app or another, he just goes into the settings and, and ups the amount of time he's allowed to use it. So it's not really helping him. But so he, the video is about this uh, secondary phone that you can get. I think it's only on Verizon, if I'm not mistaken, on here. And it's from Palm. And it's a little tiny, like smaller sized uh, phone, um, like, you know, much smaller than like even an iPhone, original iPhone um, that runs a sort of uh, Android system. And, it, and it's meant to run one or two apps. And it ties into your actually existing phone number. So if you want to put your distracting Facebook loaded and, you know, Reddit loaded phone away and just use this one little phone for one or two apps, um, you know, just as a sort of a short, sort of abbreviated experience, kind of like, I guess, like an Apple Watch would do, um, have this little tiny, cute little phone So from Palm. And that's what this uh, video is about. The, the subject of the video is, can a, can a phone save you from your phone? So um, just a quick little thing, a little video on this Palm phone. Real-time follow-up, DYLD is a dynamic linker, which is what's uh, loading all of different components of your app, including dynamic libraries and frameworks right. and things like that. Uh, also, uh, along the lines of, of uh, or on the topic of, of how fast does your app load, there was a WWDC video from, I'm thinking it was three or four years back now, but it might not have been that long ago. Yes, right, yeah. Where, where the whole top, this was the whole topic of, of, the, uh, of the session was uh, how do you monitor how fast your, your app is launching and what you can do about it? What are things that make your app launch slowly uh, and how do you optimize that? So uh, it's it's a pretty good one to check out. It might be a couple of years out of date by now, but still lots of good info and it. it's worth checking out. Yeah, thanks for remembering that one. It's called Optimizing App Startup Time and it's from WWDC 2016. 2016. Session 406. Uh, okay, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. And I remember I remember being one of my favorite ones of the year, although... I think it was your pick for that, that yeah. episode. Yeah. 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 Cool. Good. All right. More than just code, folks. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, I guess that's it for the, sh- for the week. So, uh, hey, Mark, if people want to get in touch with you, where would they find you? Mark R at smapsoft.com. And Tammy, if you're back, where can people find you? Paradox927 on Twitter. All righty then. All right. Well, I guess that's it. We'll say goodbye for another week. Bye. Bye. Wait, where are you from, Tim? Yeah. Where can they find you? Oh, right. Yeah. I almost forgot. My name is Tim Mitra and I am T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on the Twitter machine. And that's the best way to get a hold of me. Hmm. So now we can say goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at mtjc underscore podcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskMTJC. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash mtjc. You can find details on how to help us out on our website at mtjc.fm slash sponsor us. 
Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. redundant recordings these days because you might get a tornado or i might get a tornado or ice storm or san, or san jose might slide into the san jose san andreas fault you know you never know i'm gonna start recording too hey we live near the new madrid so we could go we could blow anytime new madrid what's that that's the fault line that runs right through the middle of the united states really yeah yeah i didn't know that that's, I only, that's what made what was it the mississippi river go backwards what yeah in like 19 oh, 19 something 1930 oh you I mean it currently goes the right way, but used at one point it went backwards. It went backwards for a little while because it was so. Hang on, I'm gonna find out what year that was. It was like 1937. Wow, I learned all kinds of stuff on this show. Yeah, huh? Actually, out here, Tim, the San Andreas Fault is kind of the famous one, but yeah. the one that people are more worried about right now is a different one called the Hayward Fault. Oh, really? Yeah, which is which runs up the uh, east side of the San Francisco Bay. Uh, San Andreas goes a peninsula and was the one that caused that the big 1989 earthquake. But the Hayward Fault, uh, they worry is is much more likely to to go sometime soon it could be really much bigger than than uh anything we've had in a long time so that that's on the east side of that's the on bay? the east side of the bay yeah let me think so that's the oakland side it is the oakland side yes really mm-hmm. so the whole silicon valley could be gone well you know that's possible not likely but it's possible it's not that big a loss i guess right oh i could have been more wrong <laughs> 1811 Zing. and 1812 yeah oh 1812 is when the what that was when it went backwards yeah, 1811 and 1812. Well, what do you know about that? More than just code, folks. So it started in 1812 and went backwards and ended in 1811? So, well, know what you're saying? In 1811 and 1812, <laughs> a series of earthquakes from New Madrid, Missouri, were felt as far away as Ohio and South Carolina. So I guess it was twice. Wow. So hang on a second, Timey. You've never seen the movie Clerks? No. And you really? call yourself a Jersey girl? I No, I, I don't. That's why I don't live there anymore. I never felt like I belonged in New Jersey. Man. It was always out of my skin in New Jersey. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's nothing against people in New Jersey. I love a lot of people in New Jersey. I just didn't fit in. I didn't feel like I fit in in New Jersey. Well, that was that was Kevin Smith's whole, you know, raison d'etre back in the days. Is he would sit in New Jersey and look across the the river at Manhattan and sneak into Manhattan and go see movies and stuff like that. That's how he got into movies in the first place. No kidding. I don't and even sold, know what it's about that show. Well, he sold his comic book collection. He got like ten grand or something for his entire like you know boxes and boxes of comics and and he sold his collection to make the movie and then he then he showed it at Sundance and I think it just had the 20th anniversary or something like that of the showing at Sundance and he basically won the prize and it's basically about a couple of guys who work one guy works in a convenience store and the other guy works in the video store next door right and and the guy who works in the convenience store gets a call by his boss first thing in the morning and you know he's supposed to be on his day off and his boss is like oh come on you got to work and he's like you know no it's my day off I'm not coming in and so the whole through the whole movie he keeps saying i'm not even supposed to be here today all this stuff keeps happening to him right so yeah but it's and it's basically just one afternoon at the video at the convenience store and, and what happens yeah. to this guy working there yeah just it's one day of mayhem yep. oh interesting and it's where the characters jay and silent bob come from you right know? oh see now yeah. i i know who they are but yeah, i only were, know them from dogma yeah well yeah. so yeah exactly and um um so which i did see in clerks they were just <laughs> the two guys who used to hang out standing outside the 
the convenience store. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, so those are, oh, okay. I just, I'm a little slow. I made the connection now. Yeah. We, we just interviewed uh, Stephen Silver, who was the illustrator who did the Clerks cartoons. Oh, okay. Impossible. Okay. Yeah. So, I'm, and the Clerks cartoon is about that same, it's basically based on the movie. It's like, so the Clerks around. are Silent J and Bob. Or no, no, no. Yeah. No. Well, no, no. The Clerk oh, so was, the, the clerk was a guy who, who worked in the convenience store, but Jay and Silent Bob were the two guys who just hung out outside. I think they were probably dealing drugs or something outside the convenience store. Well, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I got but, it. Man. But interestingly enough, the, uh, Kevin Smith made a whole series of movies and, and kind of the one common theme was that Jay and Silent Bob would show up in all these movies. Exactly. Because Silent yeah, Bob yeah. was Kevin Smith, actually, the actor. Yeah. Well, so how and did also, they get tied to Dogma? How did they end up there? Because like I said, that's where I saw them from. Well, that was his oh, religious was, movie, right? Yeah, that was yeah. one of the movies. Okay. That's like the, that was the third or fourth one, I think. So coming back to the convenience store, the convenience store where they actually made the movie is the convenience store that Kevin Smith worked at. Mm-hmm. And his best friend worked, Brian, um, John, Brian Johnson, I think his name is, he worked in the video store next door. So the two characters, Dante and Randall, are based on Brian or um, Kevin Smith and his friend Brian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they still hang out together. Like they're, you know, they're, they do comic book men. There's a, a show on, um, on what channel is that on? But it's about comic books. And, and he runs a comic book store in the uh, in New, New Jersey called The Secret Stash. Tim, were you at Macworld that year when Kevin Smith gave a talk? No, I, I no, I must have missed that. Oh, yeah. Sure. I was at that one. What, what year was that? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> was it Macworld, really? Yeah, it was Macworld. Yep. Wow, I have to look that one up. It was up. a long yeah, time cause... ago because it was, it was still when Macworld was in the main part of Moscone. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the entire yeah. bottom floor, both ends. So right, yeah, bigger. yeah. Well, when I went there, you used to, the big, you know, you used to have the big Apple booth there, right? Right. In Moscone. And then they had the, the Moscone West was like where they did conferences and stuff like that. And then mm-hmm. the year I met you, I think, was when they had moved, the second year that they'd moved into the just Moscone West, right? Could be. But yeah. I, I know, yeah, because yeah, I know I went to, I went to two, um, two Macworlds where they were in the big, I met Sinbad there. He was speaking at one, one of the events and mm-hmm. I stopped to talk to him about like, why are you here? And he's, oh, I'm a Mac user, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But Apple used to have that big giant booth. Like the one year I was there, they introduced, um, I think I was there the, introdu- the year they introduced the iPhone and you couldn't get near the booth. And mm-hmm. then the other, and they also, I think it was the same year they did, introduced um, Time Capsule or Time Machine. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I was there the year after for the introduction of the MacBook, the, the MacBook Air, mm-hmm. you know, the one with the manila envelope and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, and I saw, I think I didn't go into the main room with, with Steve Jobs because, you know, I was there as, with vendors and we had like, a, we were in, I think in the Western Hotel watching it on a closed circuit camera. But mm-hmm. yeah, so, yeah, so I went, to, I know I went to a couple of, uh, and the reason I only went to San Francisco was because I used to go to the one in Boston in the summer, right? Mm. And then they stopped having they stopped having it in Boston, so then I switched over to going to San Francisco. So yeah, and it was, that was a couple of years before uh, before I became a developer full time. You know, mm-hmm. yep, back in the print and publishing days, you know, when Macs were the tools that we used. Okay, I can't stay for a very very long after show because Bill is gotta get to sleep and i'm like did you not move into the living room like i said no because the kids are over and they're all (sighs) out there playing you know what they're playing like so i go and i spend all this money on a damn switch right and i I was like i asked twister no i asked i'm like what are the what are the most popular games right now smash brothers and obviously mario party or whatever it is right yeah mario yes so last year no one was playing any console games
games out in the front room. So I sold the Wii. I sold the PlayStation. I sold the old Xbox. Such a mean mother. Right? No, and I was playing. So I got this Switch for Christmas. I got all this this cool game. And guess what they did? They went and they found someone who had a Wii because there's more, uh, there's a bigger board and there's more mini games and whatnot on the old Mario Party, you know, Super Mario Party 8. That's what they want to play. The old Wii. You believe this stuff? Kids. Kids. Uh, at, at least they're not playing with, retro. with the cardboard box as the Switch came in, right? Instead of... True. <laughs> no, that's the cats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or playing Twister. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah. But anyway, he's out there sleeping on a couch and I told him I'd wake him up when we were done and put him back in here. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I'm surprised we actually got a whole show out of the little slim pickings we had today. Yeah, I was thinking it was going to... About halfway through, I was thinking, oh, we're going to be done with this fast. Yeah. But it was good. Yeah, we just got to get Tammy, Tammy wound up and get her ranting about stuff. Yeah. It's, it's a good to stretch it out. I'm so fed up with tech anymore. I could probably rant and rave about anything. I'm surprised you didn't go into that that whole line of argument. Line well, of I didn't think it was... I didn't think the listeners would give a crap, so I didn't bring it up. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're selling all your Macs. That was the part that got me buying those Windows machines. Well, I didn't buy a Windows machine. I had a Windows oh. machine. I was going to sell my Windows machine, my Mobile Studio Pro. I had it all up there and I had it. I had an interested buyer and I was going to sell it. And uh, my younger son, who is into, you know, the, the one who's into PCs and, and streaming and things like that. It's like, don't, don't sell that. What are you doing? You could use mm-hmm. that. So mm-hmm. I was like, all right, I'll give it another chance. And uh, how old is it? It's not, it's not old at all. Wacom sent it to me last year. Oh, so it's, yeah, it's pretty recent. Wow. Yeah. So oh. I've been using it and I got a desk for it and I set it all up and now I'll be streaming on Twitch from it. If people want to see me live draw. Boom. There you go. Hmm. I have to step away from tech before I lose my mind. It's reading my watch is telling me that, that it's heart heart month challenge, whatever, for February. Got to close those circles, or what do they call it? Is that close the rings, close yeah. Close the rings? Well, well, there's nothing close, nothing pretty much wide open right now because <laughs> it's midnight here. It's like, they're like zero. I hold my breath. Will they move? I just ordered a heart monitor. You know the new iPhone has one in it, right? Well, I mean, the new is, Apple Watch. The, no, this hooks up to your, what is this? This is a Polar H7 Bluetooth heart sensor. Where does it go? It goes on your wrist and then it gets plugged into the oh, okay. computer. I told oh. you, Jake's all into the streaming stuff. He does, um, have you, uh, I'm sure you guys heard of it. OBS, the game OBS? No. Oh, okay. What's that? It's like a, it plays music and you have to use either a mouse or a touchpad or he uses a, an Intuos tablet um, and you just like tap and go with the music and it's, apparently it's really big. I just learned of it maybe like seven or eight months ago mm-hmm. and he's really good at it. He started with a mouse and then he wanted to learn how to use the Cintiq and mm. the Intuos. So he grabbed that. And I tell you what, if you don't know how to use an Intuos and you want to learn really quick, play that game. Yeah. Yeah. He's really good at it. So it's like makes music? No, it, it, it's mostly like anime type music, like theme songs and Japanese oh, okay. music and things like that. Yeah. So it play, it's kind of like a Tar Hero, but you move your hand and tap the thing and got to look at it. Some of these people are absolutely insane. My son is insane on it. I, I watch him play it. I'm like, I don't even, I can't even keep up. Mm. But this, he's doing the streaming now. And one of these things that the streamers are doing who stream OBS is they hook themselves up to a heart rate monitor. So you can see their heart rate on the screen as they 
they play, it gets faster and faster and faster. It's kind of cool. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I got on one. Interesting. Yeah. You got the heart monitor for that purpose? Just for that purpose. See. And how much was the heart monitor? It was like 40 bucks or something. Oh, that's not much. Mm-mm. Cheaper than an Apple Watch. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a fan of the Apple Watch. No. I sold all of the ones I had. Did you? Mm-hmm. Well, you only bought them for developing anyway. Yeah. Okay. So, Mark, I wanted to ask you, so the Super Bowl was this weekend. Yes, it was. I guess your team won. Yes, they did. Um, I, I basically tuned in to watch the commercials because they were showing them this year. Yeah, that kind of sucked. The commercials? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, I, the one I enjoyed the most was where the, the Game of Thrones um, Yeah, that was the best one because it was funny because when the, when the commercial started, I'm like, oh, I'm, I was saying to everyone, another Budweiser. Bud, yeah. Bud Light commercial. It's like, oh, I, they're so played out. And then it went, yeah. when it was Game of Thrones, that was kind of awesome. Yeah, I have to go back and watch that and see if it was actually legit Budweiser guy that just made someone you look like him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, but they were using, were they using drones during the game to follow the players around, like in the huddles and stuff? No. Oh, they're on, no, they're still on the wires? They did in the half, in the halftime show. They had some. Oh, did they? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. No, they can't use drones during a game uh, right now because the, well, they'd be, they'd get in the way too much right now. Well, I mean, but like when they're not in the middle of a play, like if they're, because like, they, they showed the, like, is that the I think a camera that's on wires or whatever? That yeah, they have, the, the, they have, if you go to a game, you can see they have a wire, wire strung across yeah and these things kind of just slide across on them and then they hmm. they're actually fairly high up and they just have a zoom lens to zoom down oh i see okay so they're not yeah. anywhere near the players no, or whatever no, right? no. That, have you ever seen those the drone things where they have like a whole series of drones with leds on them and they make shapes in this in yeah the that's what they, they did that in the halftime show oh i must have missed that okay yep. huh. and it, they did that also at the uh was it the beijing olympics they had a yeah the olympics thing. yeah, One yeah of the, olympics. the turtles and stuff yeah yeah that's kind of cool actually it seems yeah, like i just wondered if, if they were using drones a long time ago but anyway yeah, but I just wondered if they were doing using drones, if they had used you guys or whatever for that kind of stuff. No, they haven't. They didn't use us for that. Maybe next year. Mm-hmm. Though. Yeah, it's actually it was, it was this guy on. Uh, I think he was on CBC talking about um, uh, ranchers, right? Mm-hmm. And um, you know they have to drive, they have to ride on their horses or, or their jeeps or whatever to check out their lands and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And they're using drones now mm-hmm. to fly, like if they have, instead of having to trying to find a place to cross a river or whatever and go check out a part of their land that you know is on the other side of the river. Yep, they'll send a drone over there now mm-hmm. and they can do a whole lot they can save like hours of time you know just using a drone to sort of go over fly over and see what's what's what right? sure yeah yeah so it's kind of cool yeah tons of commercial uh opportunities for drones mm-hmm. yeah. the one that we make is more in the consumer space for right now but uh right yeah but uh yeah tons of tons of possible applications yeah well i guess for like people like farmers who have to cover a lot of a lot of ground literally right yeah so. also one you might not think about uh the construction inspection industry construction and inspection industries oh really yeah, yeah so if you're building a you know like a high-rise building or something and you want to inspect something mm-hmm. uh without having a, to have a guy climb up there and look at it you could just send the drone right. up and kind of fly yeah. around yeah i mean it's some pretty i mean pretty the iron worker guys get up there pretty high right so right right like even when they were building the cn tower they had to use a, a sigorsky helicopter to lift the, the pieces up but they, but some guys had to be up there to you know tighten up the nuts and whatever right yeah you know sitting on top of this thing like two thousand feet in the air mm-hmm. pretty high up there or if if you do roof inspections it's true yeah too yeah yeah i mean well i mean so can you with your with your thing can you tell it to like go like 200 feet away and then come back kind of thing or yeah absolutely yeah yeah you can you can uh you can just from your phone you can just fly it around or you can program in a we have a, uh, a route yeah a, a a a tool where you can kind of go from from oh yeah there's a web-based tool where you can go in and program a a uh, what we call a skill uh mm-hmm. to have it fly a certain pattern cool mm-hmm. kind of cool stuff yeah anyway it's a long day for me so yeah yeah all right 
talk, talk to you uh, next right. week, I guess. Bye. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.